Okay, our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Lawrence Gregory. It is entitled, God Is. Good afternoon. This was my dad's Bible. And he died in 1945. Then in the 1970s, uh, my wife and I had a rebound for my mother. And then a few years after that, she gave it to me because I used to read it in this a lot as a young boy. And then uh, before her death, uh, at almost 95 years of age. So I was pleased to be able to receive this Bible from her that was my dad's, who was an elder in the Church of God, Anderson, Indiana. And one of the scriptures that I used to read as a boy, and I puzzled over so much, I would ask questions, but I didn't ask the right person, I guess, until 1959 when I came in contact with the churches of God, Sabbatarian churches of God, that I was able to have a correct and a true understanding of this scripture in Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us... Make man in our image after our likeness. And there's more to that. You're familiar with the verse, but I puzzled over that. Uh, God is supposed to be one, but when he talked to himself and he said, let us and we and ourselves, that always puzzled me until I uh, then was uh, taught correctly the duality of the Godhead rather than uh, the triune as presented in the message today. Now, when I was a boy, I didn't puzzle over duality or trinity, any of that. I was trying to figure out who God was and how he could be talking to himself, our. And uh, now I thank God that uh, that revelation, that understanding has been uh, made clear to me. And uh, I appreciate the presentation that was made today. It was very uh, 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 scholarly, I guess, would be the term for that. Thank you, Reggie. Well... Uh, this is not my purpose today to talk about uh, the Trinity or the duality of uh, the Godhead. Today's message is only a very small insight into an enormous, large, and significant topic. And I believe that the more fully we understand this topic, that it will increase our faith, our confidence, in our joy in life as we go through this human existence. Our subject today is God, or rather, or more correctly, God is. God is. Our focus will not be about his many names. It will not be about his many deeds, his general and specific plan and purpose, but on he himself. What God does is important. Why God does what he does is important. Who and what God is and is not is very important. That's my purpose today, to give us a little insight into this vast subject, God is. Now, as we uh, consider the grandiosity of God compared to the littleness 
of man, we're humbled at the comparison. The Bible is the story of God's relationship to man. His involvement in the history and destiny of this planet. Its environment, its vitality, in the occupancy by man and his activities, past, present, and future. God's involvement and relationship in all of that. Now, our first reference today in uh, opening in our subject today is the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 7. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17. Now this was Moses' instruction to Israel from God, his departing words as he knew that he was going to go up and, and die shortly as Israel would go into the promised land that was denied him. And in verse 17, just break into here, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He does execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loves a stranger in giving him food and raiment. Now, I said I wasn't going to spend a lot of time on the names, but I think it would be good here just to share a little bit uh, with you here. Uh, this word, uh, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the tetragrammaton, is Variously translated, uh, Jehovah, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Eternal, mostly in the capital letters L-O-R-D, is the word that is that we understand as uh, the Lord or Jehovah or Yahweh or however we want to pronounce it. This occurs 7,736 times in the scriptures. And if you want to use a Hebrew uh, reference, a Strong's Concordance number 3068. And the word God, that's both in capital letter G-O-D, uppercase, and uh, beginning, and the small letter G-O-D, is the same word L-O-M. This is a plural word. It means supreme being or magistrate. It's also translated as angels, judges, and other gods like idols uh, that are referred in the scriptures as called gods, although they are uh, inanimate and maybe uh, created by man, they are still referred to in our scriptures as gods or as idols. And that word uh, for Elohim or for God, there's an, several different Hebrew words, and this is not a word study on that, you can study this out, uh, for the plurality and singularity of the word Elohim. Uh, this word basically that we translate as God occurs uh, 4,379 times. Then this little word here, is. God is. God of gods. He is a God over all idols. And we know this, an idol is nothing. There's no life in that. And there are a lot of animists that worship creation and nature and trees and things, rocks and sticks. There's no life in there, but they are identified from humans as their God. So God is over all of that. But the little word is, Hava, 
uh, is, the meaning of that is to exist, to be, to become, is. We had a lot of political discussion about what is, is uh, a few years ago. We won't go into that. But this word, little, little word, is, occurs uh, 6,092 times. Now, what I'm going to do today is, uh, without referring to uh, a lot of other scriptures, what I'm going to do is read references, and I want you to listen, and I'm only going to read a few out of, um, uh, let's see, I counted here with Strong's or Crude's Concordance was uh, 68 references. I'm not going to read all of those. I'm not going to turn to the references, and uh, I didn't give uh, uh, Brian the scriptures, so he won't be posting them on the board. So what I want us to do is to listen. I've done this for a long, many, many years, but listen. And I think as we hear the word, it'll be enriching to us and strengthening and give us confidence and, and uh, faith and obedience as we, uh, to God as we read through and see who God is. Okay, uh, I'm not going to give the scripture references either. Uh, you can follow up on a Cruden's Concordance or Strong's or one of your Bible references. Or I've, I've got listed, well, I've got the references all here, but... Uh, listen to this. We just read, God is God of gods, the Lord of lords. God is a spirit. God is mighty. God is great. God is true. God is good to Israel. God is pure. God is holy. God is love. God is one Lord. God is judge himself. God is gracious and merciful. God is in heaven. God is in the heavens. God is a sun and a shield. That means, what do we need? We need light. We need heat. We need protection. We need security. He's a, the sun and the shield, both. Oh, it's, it's, hard, it's hard not to just make comments on all of these references as we consider. But uh, I'm continuing on here. God is the rock. God is righteous. God is faithful. God is jealous. God is jealous. He doesn't want to share the love and affection with some unknown rock or stone or entity that is not God or another person or neglect. You know, God is a jealous God. And I know even uh, he is zealous. But uh, these three, next one, uh, go together. And we have a reference for, for two. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 25. Give Brian something to do back there so he won't go to sleep. First uh, Corinthians 1. I know I get away with a lot of ornery things, don't I? Saying up here, nobody can answer me back yet, huh? <laughs> Afterward, I might hear about it. But First uh, Corinthians 1, 25. Talking about verse... 
24, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then the third reference in uh, Job, but we won't go back there, is God is greater than man. So thinking of these things together here, God is wiser, he's stronger, and he's greater than man. You see, we're weak, we're frail, we sin, we have doubts, we have difficulties, we have troubles, handicaps, we have problems in our life that uh, trouble us. God doesn't have any of that. He can take and he can feel and he can take our burdens upon himself, but he is not weak. He is not stupid. He is not uh, dumb because he is God, wiser, stronger, and greater than man. God is the king of all the earth. God is a consuming fire. God is terrible, majestic, majesty. God is the God of salvation. God is well pleased with the sacrifices that we make of doing good and serving. God is well pleased when we serve and, and, and do those things. God is angry with the wicked every day. Why? Because the wicked are destructive and they're denying and they're troubling and they're problems. The wicked are totally adverse and contrary to God who is righteous. And he hates what they do. Now, I have some references here. Let me see uh, back my notes. Uh, how many to these as uh, uh, personal here? Personal uh, relationships that we have with God. Sixteen times. God is my, I'm not going to read all of those. God is my strength. Now, what I want us to do is just ask ourselves on the personal element. As I read through these, what is my personal relationship with that one God is? What is my relationship to him? God is my strength. Now, these are Bible writers that write this. God is our refuge. God is my helper. God is my defense. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. That means God is in heaven. He's in the heaven of heavens. He fills heaven and earth. His presence is here with us a very present help in time of trouble. Now, there's some other uh, informal references here uh, in the scriptures that explains God is in you. Is he? Is God in you? 
Jesus said, the Father to the disciples, the Father is with you, the Spirit is with you, and shall be in you. And then when they were converted, the Holy Spirit poured out upon them, and they were the first begotten of the Holy Spirit. We can have that power, influence, mind. Paul said, I have the mind of Christ. I have this influence, this thought. Do we see things from his point of view? Do we have his energy, his life force, his power? Is God in you? God is among you. God is, all of these are God is with you. And Jesus quoted, uh, this was quoted to, uh, from Isaiah in reference to Jesus. But we can ask it ourselves because of other uh, scriptures. God is upon me. Is God in, with, around, upon me? Is his Holy Spirit on me, on my life, on my uh, things that I'm doing, the influence that I have and as I go through life, is God upon me? God is He that goeth before thee. Now, as we go through life, and, and I always uh, take the metaphor of traveling down the highway like life. You know, you're going down the highway and people are entrance and exits and they're passing you and they're coming in and when we're going along and somebody is trying to enter into here and, and courteously courteous drivers will drop back and let them in or flash our light or toot the horn or if we're right up even with them maybe speed up a little so they can cut in behind us and uh, you know we don't like it people who are going down and they whip around us and come and cut off right right just right ahead of us instead of staying, staying, staying right behind us and exiting but Life is a journey. And is God with us, accompanying us, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter? One, the word Comforter means a guide who goes along beside us. And so on roads we come to dead end. We come like this morning when we go, and those of you who go up to Owasso to pick up Dottie, you know that you're going along. Uh, 169, oops, then if you're in the right-hand lane, it ends at like 56th Street or 46, somewhere in there. And if you don't get over, you're going to exit off. And so roads have dead ends and they have, they have problems and difficulties. But God is with us, accompanying us, going with us. He is a present help. He is our guide. Forever. Now, as we consider what God is, it's also important to consider what God is not. And so, I've listed uh, all of these, and uh, let's see, God is not mentioned, well, it's mentioned eight times that God is not. So, listen to this. God is not a man. Well, thank God for that. God is not a man that he should lie. You see, men are liars. Well, I'm going to include women also. Uh, mankind. Okay, mankind. That gets us all included. All inclusive. Mankind are liars. They're cheats. They're frauds. They're deceptive. They're lazy. 
Oh, there's some good about mankind, but thank God he's not that way. Oh, God's sleeping, they said. Or maybe he's on a journey. Remember that? The prophets had challenged Elijah there on Mount Carmel, and they were having their big uh, ceremony and calling down the gods, and maybe he's on a journey. And Well, they found out he wasn't. He was right there listening in and acted. God is not in all his thoughts. Psalm 10th chapter. Let's go back. Let's, let's read that. Is that one that you have, Brian? Psalm 10, verse 4? Yes. Psalm 10, verse 4. The whole psalm here is uh, a contrast between the wicked and the good and, and so many descriptive things about the wicked. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Now here's the, con here's the contrast and the comparison. God is not in all the thoughts of mankind, but is he in all of our thoughts? Is our mind on him continually during the day in brief prayers throughout the day? And we're thinking about, what does God think of this? What is the decision I make here? What is it uh, that I uh, spend my time uh, involved in my life and my character? And, oh yeah, we need, we need work, we need job, we need fun, we need reading other things, we need uh, other things in inter entertainment. But in back of that and encompassing all that is our thoughts about God and, and he's always with us isn't he? isn't he always kind of just like one who's with us always as we go through life God is there Jesus Christ and so we do things we say things we try to please him and when we're uh, not very close and don't have a lot of the spirit of God flowing through us maybe we do things uh, uh, carnally as, uh, as men do and say and leave God out of the picture that's not good God is not in all their thoughts. They don't even pay attention so much. Deny, avoid, ignore. Don't even consider God until he calls them with his spirit, begins to convict them and, and to convert them. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. This is very important. The dead know nothing. They're asleep. We know that. Then... The scripture says, then why are you baptized for the dead? And a great church in America takes that and justifies their baptizing other people for people who are dead, dead saints, maybe to elevate them into heaven. They could be baptized for them. That's no. The people are dead. They're, they're gone. And so why are we baptized for the dead? Why are we baptized? Because we believe it. We want to go beyond this grave and this life into eternity. So we are sorry, we repent, we're forgiven, we're baptized, we receive His Holy Spirit, we overcome, we grow, and we're ushered into, born again, a new birth into the kingdom of God for all eternity. And that's what we want. Beyond this physical life, that's why we're baptized. To go beyond the death. God is no respecter of persons. God is not 
the author of confusion. We saw that earlier. Reg had that as a reference there. Confusion. Babel. Babylonian. That's one of the reasons why we don't speak in tongues and run around the church building and have a lot of emotionalism because we know that genders to confusion and is incorrect. Languages is not the gift of tongues. It's a gift of languages. It's just not an unknown gibberish uh, that children, little, little children babble. Oh, you can see it's, it's so hard to not break into so many different um, uh, comments and a commentary on so many of these scriptures here. God is not mocked. What we sow, we reap. Oh, yeah. People do scoff at God. They do mock him. They do make fun of him, ridicule him, ignore him, deny him, make jokes of him. Uh, but they're going to reap what they sow. And there's a judgment. Every one, every single being, whether they accept it or not, or believe it or not, or the consequences, after that interview, everyone is going to have to stand before Jesus Christ. Everyone. Stand before Jesus Christ and accept or deny. Those who accept, enter into the joy of your Lord. Those who deny, thrown in a lake of fire, cease to exist, are dead forever. There's some people that are going to think God is unfair. They're going to go into the lake of fire screaming and yelling and gnashing on the teeth and blaming God because they refuse to see and acknowledge. They're still denying God and they only who believe in Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father and repent and accept His truth will be saved. Everyone. This gives us a great deal of hope to know that everyone is going to have an opportunity. Everyone is going to have a fair judgment. And everyone is going to be accountable <coughs> at some time. This is why... The gospel message goes out to warn people that there's a judgment coming and to escape that judgment. But too many don't listen. They ignore. They mock. And by the way, I know there are millions and millions of people on the earth today who are listening in countries all over this uh, earth who hear the truth and who are worshiping the true God. And down through, since the last 2,000 years, since the days of Jesus Christ, untold of how many millions or billions that have believed. But out of 7 billion people today, we know the vast majority are rejecting. But we who know, they're going to be given an opportunity and are going to be able to have salvation, an opportunity for salvation. That gives us a lot of comfort and joy. And that's why I say, when we know who God is, and who God is not, then we increase our faith and our confidence before God and in this life and the joy that we have. God is not unrighteous to forget your work. Now let me say this. I don't know how, I don't know all the details. I, th I think from different references in the scriptures that I think there's some recording angels, and then God's Holy Spirit, and then God Himself, and then we 
and then our fellow man. See, you remember a lot of our contacts, all of you. You remember our association and some of the things I've done and some of the things I've uh, not done. And I know some things about you uh, and, uh, you know, uh, good things about you. And when we stand before God, nobody's going to say, no, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah? Here's a recording angel. It's written down. God himself can remember everything. He knows. And you and I, in the judgment, can say, yes, he said it. That's right. Or he didn't say it. Or she. We include the women. We don't want to leave them out. And uh, so, um, dare I say this? Okay, I will. I'll be brave. I've told you before. Three fastest means of communication. <laughs> My wife shaking her head no. Telephone, telegraph, tell a woman. <laughs> okay. Are we still friends? <laughs> okay. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Some people are ashamed of God. Some people are ashamed of other people. Sometimes people are ashamed of themselves, of their conduct. God is never ashamed. He never does. He never says anything that is shameable. And not only that, God is well pleased with us when we do right. I don't say proud. We, we tend to think proud as a negative thing, but well pleased. God is not ashamed to be called our God. Even when we mess up, even when we're problems, even when we're children, and even when we have difficulties or maybe sin, we don't like to, we don't like to confess, but that happens. Believers, children of God, saints, you know, we do make those mistakes and sin and, and wish we hadn't and live with regret the rest of our life and even though it can be buried and taken away and forgiven and forgotten you know it still troubles a person that as a Christian maybe they let up or slacked off or uh, you know had some weakness there what if God was ashamed of us oh, no, I don't. just go no, don't, don't say you know me <laughs> Go over there. People are ashamed like that. I ignore that person. God is not. He's proud. He's, he's well pleased. He is not ashamed to be called our God. Now, there were some other uh, numbers of, uh, that, I, that I counted out. Let me see. Of God's coming and going and his traveling in amidst man and this earth. And let me see if I... Uh, counted uh, his travels, uh, yeah, uh, six six times I, I counted that, where he comes and goes and travels, and then, not uh, you know, not not counting. Many references, many, many, hundreds and hundreds of references to the personal pronouns of he or him, where I say he is, in, re in referring to God, I didn't even include those. I just focused on the English word God is, from the Hebrew. And uh, 
Some of those, uh, not, not counting even the, the return of Jesus Christ, his first coming and then his second coming and uh, how he you know, comes and goes with his Holy Spirit, but just his God's travels on this earth among man, coming and going and departing and, and so forth. There was, uh, uh, what I say, six of those references. Okay, uh, this is, uh, as I intended and planned, to be a short message today. Uh, to um, cover, I think I, I covered all of those uh, things. Uh, let's close, and I have a few references here. In First John, New Testament, First John 5.20, and you know, I, I think, and I do this, and I, and I, kind of trouble later. I leave out some references, some scriptures, and I, I wanted to cover that. I wanted to touch on that, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pass on um, some of those. But we'll go here to 1 John 5.20. Verse 19, just leading into it. We know that we're of God. And that the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come. And has given us an understanding. That we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Now we know Jesus, the spokesman for God, the Logos, the one who represented God and spoke for him and his regiment, the Father in the Old Testament, in the background of time to time, revealed, like Psalm 110 shows the duality of God, the Father, and, and the relationship of uh, Jesus Christ. And here, we want to ask ourselves, do we know the Son of God? Yes. Do we know he's come? Yes, he came the first time, and he's now come in our presence through his Holy Spirit. He lives in us. We've just seen many of those references. And has given to us an understanding, and so we know and we understand through opening our minds. It's like, you know, I, I mentioned uh, when I was a boy reading that Bible there, uh, I just loved to read it. And uh, a lot of it I didn't understand, and when I tried to ask questions about, like that, um, Genesis 126. As I mentioned, I wasn't asking the right person, theologians, uh, but people didn't know it. They didn't understand what that meant until God called me and opened my mind. And then I could see and I could understand and the concepts and the truth and could know. He's given us understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ. Because we share that Holy Spirit. We're in Him and He in us. We share Him and the Father through the agency of their Holy Spirit. Not just limited, as, as we heard in the first message there, to one person. Deuteronomy 4.7. Let's go back there. Deuteronomy 4.7. Now, 
Moses is here reiterating God's words. Verse 7, I'll just have to uh, break into it. He's, he's talking about the greatness of the nation. In verse 7, For what nation, Israel, is there so great, who has God so near unto them? As the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day and more? God is, look at this, in all things that we call upon him for. This is why I say our confidence grows, our faith grows, because when we understand God is in all these things that I've just mentioned before, we ought to be so confident and so full of joy to know that God hears us. He doesn't hear sinners. He doesn't hear their prayer. Oh, he can hear them when they repent. But the one who continues, a person that is continuing in sin, God's not going to hear and listen to them. A person that is a sinner and is repentant and changes and their heart is convicted because God has convicted them, he'll hear that cry. But a person who is just continuing, God won't hear. But we have the confidence. This is why our faith will grow and be strong when we know God is with us and He hears our prayer and He knows what's going on and He is, he is so in tune to this world and this society and all the things that are going on and we're trying to be in tune and, and sometimes we tune out. You know, we get so frustrated and aggravated we just tune out. We don't, I don't want to hear the news anymore. It's just, it's just bad. God knows it and he is impatiently or patiently waiting till he can do something and we'll do something about it. And we know what that's going to be. And so God is in these things that are going on in life that affect us. And so we can call on him and he'll help us. Now, uh, let's, let's turn to Ephesians, the third chapter, verse... 20, even though this is not really in the context, this is one of, uh, one of my favorite, of many, many favorite scriptures. It's hard to, hard to have favorite scriptures because there's so many gems, but this is a, this is a powerful verse, and uh, it has uh, uh, some other uh, directions that we could go into, but uh, Ephesians 3, verse 20, listen to this. Now unto him, that's God, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And continuing on the sentence here. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now, as a uh, second reference to this, uh, keeping with our theme today, turn over to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8.
God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Grace, as I've explained before, grace is not just limited as some theologians and, and uh, people teach as just unpardonable, unmerited sin or forgiveness. But grace is the divine nature, God's divine nature, upon the heart and reflected in the life outward. That's what grace means. The power and the influence of God in our life and the reflection of our character and of our personality and of our life. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, continuing on, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. And so we could say a lot more, but just, just think of that. God is able. He is able. Who, who can restrict Him? Who can hinder Him? God is so powerful and so mighty and good. That's what I'm trying to get across today. The greatness and the bigness and the enormous grandiosity of this being that we serve and worship and call God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So powerful, so mighty. Whatever it is we, that is good that we want or need. He is able to provide it. He is able to be there. Wow. And to pour out so much of his divine nature on us as we so desperately need it. And I know I'm speaking to those of us who walk in imperfection. I understand that. Our ideal standard is Christ's perfection. And we strive for that ideal. But as humans, we fail. We fall short, don't we? That's why we need God and need His Spirit and need forgiveness and need His love and all of that understanding and not being ashamed of us. Boy, if it weren't that way, if God were different, we'd, we might as well just quit and give up. But He's so merciful and kind and good and magnanimous. And we could go on and on extolling the virtues of this one that we worship as God. Closing scripture, Revelation 21.3. Let me just read, you know the surroundings uh, verses and, and the time element of this in the future, but just read you verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. And be their God. It, words just escape us, don't us, to understand the relationship and the significance of the great destiny, the incredible, and Herbert Armstrong took up on this, the incredible human potential. The human potential that we, a lowly man and a woman, can have the privilege of tabernacling living and dwelling with God and He with us forever and ever. 
Won't that be a wonderful, wonderful time ahead? We can be so thankful, brethren, that, as I've tried to convey in a small way today, the greatness and goodness that God is.